Welcome, listeners, to a special episode of True North Nerds. Now, normally on these special uh, episodes, you'll hear Brent interviewing uh, someone special. Today, you've got me, Kevin, and I am here with my good friend, Robert Harrower, the co-creator, co-writer, co-everything of Endless Vigilance, a Star Trek fan audio drama. You may have heard me talk about it a little bit uh, in uh, previous episodes. Uh, Welcome, Rob, and uh, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I am very excited. Well, let's let the listeners in on a little thing that uh, we've recorded this once and um, I didn't have my settings right. And so let's try take two. Absolutely. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start from the beginning. Why audio drama? Why did you choose that medium and, and what, uh, what is it about it that you love? Uh, one of the things I, I – well – I love podcasts, and I've, I, I, one of, it's one of the things that I always often listen to are podcasts. Uh, but uh, for for me, I have I've kind of an emotional uh, an emotional connection connection to it as well. And uh, when I when I personally when I when it all started for me uh, when uh, when I was uh, watching and listening to uh, to to Critical Role, and uh, through Critical Role, uh, I came to uh, find the very first audio drama that I listened to. Which uh, was the Black Tapes, which is a great, great audio drama. And from the Black Tapes, I found my way to uh, various other audio dramas, including uh, Starship Excelsior, which is a great uh, Star Trek audio drama, and Outpost, a Star Trek fan production. And uh, having listened to uh, both of those, um, uh, my uh, my. Uh, co-producer and myself Vince we had we had actually both listened to them at, at the same time we, we we realized that we wanted more of of this story and, and and more of this type of storytelling and uh as we began looking for various different other stories we realized that very very quickly that there, there just wasn't anything that that in our opinion was as good as uh uh uh, uh, outpost and, um, and and Excelsior. There, or, uh, so we we very quickly realized that if we wanted to to create a story that uh, we hope that people could uh, connect with, in the way that we uh, connected with um, uh, Starship Excelsior and Outpost, we, we we would have to we'd have to write it. Right. So uh, why why Star Trek though? Why is that your your um genre here like what what was it about uh, what is it about the that franchise that that draws you to it i i i I love star trek i and i've loved star trek since i was uh since i was six years old um six-year-old me uh can uh, remembers his, his his very first episode of star trek the next generation which was the uh uh, the show that I started with, and I, I remember the very first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation that I ever watched was uh, was the Drumhead, uh, and uh, it's, it's a very poignant episode yes. to 
to where we, to where we are right now. Yes, it is. And, um, one of the things I love about I love about Star Trek is that Star Trek embodies. Uh, uh, it, it embodies hope. It embodies how we as people can can th- even through the worst of perseverance um, can uh, become better. And uh, I, I wanted to, you know, we, we wanted we wanted as best we could with endless vigilance to add to to uh, add, add to that that uh, that cry of hope, as it were. Nice. Now you've created a pretty expansive setting, like within the Star Trek universe. So, which came first for you then, the the creation of the setting, or did you have characters in mind first? How did uh, how did the whole setup come about? So that's actually that's actually a very 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 good question. Um, one of the very first things that that Vince and I talked about um, when we met uh, in the summer of July of of twenty eighteen was was in fact setting. We we wanted to know. In, in which era we wanted to to run our show, and for us, when, when we were talking about it, the two eras that really really caught our eye that we could have run both uh, run our show in was either uh, the next generation post Nemesis, mm-hmm. which really you know had a, a a wealth of whatever you wanted to do at that particular point in time, because during during our creation process. Uh, Picard hadn't existed yet, and even you know, and um, as well, there was this period of time between uh, in, in Star Trek Generations where Captain Captain Kirk, you know, Captain Kirk on, on the Enterprise B gets sent off to the Nexus up and up until when the Next Generation starts. There's a, a good eighty years mm-hmm. worth of Star Trek lore that really. No one has ever, you know, no one has ever done a show with or an audio drama with. So we, we had sort of talked about about those two those two genres, and we eventually came to the conclusion that you know because he and I both really enjoyed Star Trek: The Next Generation and Star Trek: The Next Generation being the the my entry into Star Trek mm-hmm. was you know the era we wanted to uh, we we definitely wanted our show to be in. Very cool. Now, now you said you've listened to other Star Trek uh, audio dramas. Did they influence the way you created the show at all, or or the your methods? Uh, very, very much so. Actually, um, one of one of the things we we you know I can't, I can't say enough about James Haney and uh, and uh, Tony Raymond uh, Tony Raymond's storylines. Um, they are they have such fantastic characters in them. Um, their storylines are really well thought out and really well played. Um, if, if you've listened to season three of Starship Excelsior, uh, the sort of Damocles storyline, in my opinion, is the greatest Star Trek story that has ever been written. Wow. Uh, it's really well done. And, uh, you know, you know, we were, we're, we're so happy that, you know, both Tony and, and Raymond were so welcoming for us as well, which is really good. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, now, how did you go about um, uh, casting the show? Where did you find the people, and how did you how did you get them together? Uh, we when we began first creating these characters, uh, there were certain characters that we had created with uh, various people in mind uh, uh, to play those characters. Um, when we had created the, well, for instance, of course, when I had initially created the character of, of Stephen Williamson, uh, I created him with with the hopes that uh, you would play that character, and I'm very glad you said yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, 
when when I had when we had created the character of of, of Mitchell Quinn, who I, I say we, uh, but you know the character of Mitchell Quinn is actually uh, Vince's creation. It's mm-hmm. uh, that that character is his baby. His, you know, the the history of his character. Uh, uh, the demeanor of his character is something that, that he had created all by himself. And we had initially had the idea that that Vince would, would play that, that character. Um, and we had done a number of, of, uh, of script readings in which um, he was voicing that character. And uh, we had a number of other, of other uh, uh, script readings in which uh, uh, a voice actor uh, by the name of Craig Hussler was voicing him as well. And, and he and I, I, uh, as well as um, our, our other production partner uh, Isaac Gooch, who plays uh, Ensign uh, Lin Hui Chang uh, in our show, um, we quickly came to the conclusion that Craig Hustler was doing a, an, an amazing job mm. voicing the character of Mitchell of Mitchell Quinn. Uh, but for the most part, um, we knew that we were going to have to run uh, run a casting call, and uh, you know. It, yeah, in in about June of June July of 2019 is when we finally put up the casting call on Casting Call Club, and uh, we 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 were amazed. We got over 150 uh, 150 auditions that we had to run through. That's awesome. It was amazing, and and uh, you know I I can remember this one one specific instance in which I am. I'm sitting at my screen, and I have to give. Uh, in this instance, I really have to give a, a shout out to uh, one voice actor named Mandy Kay, um, who is uh, thankfully uh, uh, doing the voiceover for um, uh, for Tila Draw in our show. And I remember hearing her voice voicing some of the lines of that character. And I remember looking at my screen and going, "Hey, Tila, how are you?" Just, just, just a Hi, I know I'm, I'm now meeting you because you know I actually exist, and so I'm. Uh, I, you know, it was a, it's been an interesting, um, an interesting venture for us, asking the people who we thought we wanted as uh, we wanted to voice the characters um, uh, that we have, and, the, and then of course uh, having to pick from uh, from a, a whole bunch of different people that decided they were going to attempt to uh, give us a. Yeah, give us an audition, and they were all awesome. Yeah, it's that's uh, that's always a, a tough part when you're casting anything is, you know, saying no to the people who are fantastic, but you just don't have a part for them, right? Absolutely. But you can always write a part for them later. That is true. That is true. Um, and in fact, there there uh, there was one voice actor that we heard his voice, and we actually wrote in a uh, a character for him that's going to come out in season two because. His voice was so good that we didn't want to say no. We want right. you. We just don't have someone for you right now. But give us, give us three weeks. We'll come up with something. And that's uh, awesome. And we came up with a, a Starfleet Marine that this voice actor is going to voice. So very cool. Now, um, one thing I loved when we were in the early stages was that you got us together on Discord to do table reads of each episode, and I found that very useful. Is that something that happens with other audio dramas, or is that unique to you guys? It, it, it is not. In, 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 a number, in, uh, in, in my experience in, in the voiceover world and a number of, of projects that I've been a part of, it has not been a norm. Um, and, if, and, you know, coming, coming 
you know, in, in my uh, my very limited experience, the, the table reads for me were something that I brought I bought I brought from stage. Mm-hmm. So that's something that is enormous stage. You you sit down, you do it, you do you do a a, a table read. You, the, the very first time everybody meets, you right. read the script. Yeah. That everybody knows their part, and and you go from there. I I know I, when, when you and I did uh, did the full Monty together. That that was how we started. That was the very first meeting. Exactly. Was was was, was sitting down to read that to read that script. And I think for us, you know, being able to sit down, even if it's even if it's online, to to be able to go over the scripts is is only ever beneficial. And it's something that um, you know. We'll we will definitely as, as as the executive producers of the show we will definitely continue moving on into season two and then even into season three. Uh, this was my first experience with voice work of any kind, and I uh, knowing that I was going to be sitting in a room by myself recording these lines, having that in the back of my head, how other characters sounded, even if it wasn't the right actor voicing it, knowing how the characters are going to play off each other was very useful to the tone yeah. and the and the. And the intention of the line deliveries, absolutely, and that and that's one of the things that we we want um, is, you know, when 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 you're when you're do when you're doing something that's on stage, uh, or even if you're doing something that is that is uh, on screen, you want the scene to be as organic as possible. Exactly. And and in you know in our in our experience, the the best way to do that is to make sure that people get together and you're hearing somebody else's real reactions right. in real time. Um, and of course, we also encourage that if you have a scene with another voice actor, meet up meet up with that voice actor in in you know if you can in real life if you live close together or online. That way, you can do the scene together, and it 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 just makes that scene far more organic For and sure. be- believable. Sure. <clears throat> now. Seeing as we all sent you our voice tracks separately, how difficult is it then to stitch together those uh, those various tracks? And did you have to ask people to re-record dialogue to make things sound more natural, or did what was what you received pretty much uh, right on the first time? Um, I, I will say, um, on a whole. I would say for the most part, what we had received from our voice actors with regard to episode one was very, very good. Um, um, but there were a few instances in which we had to have uh, some people re-record lines, uh, either because uh, the a pronunciation of a name wasn't um, was incorrect, mm-hmm. or if uh, if, the, if 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 the scene was done in a certain way, but the person, the individual who was speaking, sounded too halting or a little. Uh, uh, the, the way in which they were they were doing the lines didn't didn't quite fit fit the scene, but those instances were very very few and 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 far and far between. Um, and one of the things that we often have our, our voice actors do, <clears throat> the voiceover artists, is when when we give them um, a line, we usually have them record the line approximately three times, and that usually gives enough variation. Mm-hmm can mix and match lines even if i have to take one word from what line one and one word from line three and stitch wow. those together uh i've done that in order to make in order to make a scene sound good um but it, it you know from from the time we get everyone's audio um you know Vin, vince and i knew nothing about how any of these programs worked when we first started we knew nothing right. um, so you know, it took us it took us approximately six months to get episode one done, um, <clears throat> but it's still only taken us, you know, eight weeks to do 
episode two and get to the exact same stage we were we were before um, because we just know know the know the program so much better and Reaper <clears throat> pardon me I'm so sorry it's okay primarily Reaper is the is the program that we use we find it it just does everything that that we need uh, and when we get the audio uh, one of the very first things that that we do is um, or the very first things that either Isaac or or I will do is we'll take everyone's audio that's raw. And we will run it through uh, noise reduction. We will run it through a noise gate if necessary. Mm-hmm. Run it through an equalizer if we need to worry about things like treble and bass boosts. Uh, we'll run it through a compressor if we notice that there are too many highs and lows in the wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, <clears throat> what we'll do is we will take uh, we'll take all of that audio and we'll throw it up into into Reaper. And the very first thing that we'll do is we'll we'll stitch together everyone's um everyone's physical physical audio mm-hmm. once we've stitched that together we've got everyone's everyone's talking that sounds good um and everyone's lines then we'll put in an ambient track and then from that ambient track um and in in many cases you'll only be there there are not very many scenarios in which a character moves from one room to another at least in our show right um if if if, a, if the scene is taking place in sick bay that scene takes place in there and you only need one ambient track right that that being said in episode two we have one character that moves between three different areas so we've got three different ambient tracks that we uh, that we that we're moving through uh, as a character moves from deck two all the way to the bridge right now did you and, create those tracks yourself or is there a library of, of effects and sounds that, that are sort of public domain that you can use yes so anybody that is using uh that is deciding they're wanting to do a star trek audio drama we have uh, uh, the bulk of our uh, of our <clears throat> of our of our audio uh re- with regard to star trek comes from trek core okay uh, trek has, has basically every single star trek sound that exists if you want it that being said there have been a number of sounds that didn't exist that Vince and I needed, mm-hmm. so we had to we had to uh, to to uh, you know put the mic on and, and basically create the sound ourselves. Uh, you know we we wanted certain sounds like a, a glass being put on the table, but we didn't find them that worked, so we just recorded it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we wanted a sound of uh, somebody picking up a pad, but that didn't exist, so we just had Vince record putting his his phone on the table, <laughs> sliding it, and then picking it up. Right, and so um, those are things. Those are things we, we've 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 done and uh, and 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 found a lot of success with. Um, and then you know once we've put in everybody's track and an ambient sound, then we'll start adding all the effects in. And the last thing we usually add into a scene is music. And now, now talking about music, I understand you had music created specifically for the show, right? Yes. So um, one thing that Vince and I really really wanted for our show was a piece of original music that was our theme song. And so we had uh, an individual by the name of Nate Reynolds Welsh, uh, who is a musician, a very uh, a very amazing musician in his own right, who uh, took the time and, and, you know, the volunteer time of, uh, you know, when he, when he didn't have to, to uh, work with us to create um, an original yet uh, very identifiable Star Trek theme um, for us to be able to to uh, to run with our run with our show, and we're so thankful that uh, that he uh, that he took the time, and um, he was very receptive 
to all of the information that Vince and I would come back to him with. He would say, can you try this? Can you try that? And so on and so forth. And he was always receptive and very, very fast with, with, with um, you know, all of the files. And so we have this, this library of our theme music in different variations that we can do so much with it, so on and so forth. So our theme song, uh, it's uh, called Crystal Caves, and it's written by Nate Reynolds Welsh, and you can hear the theme song uh, at the beginning and end of every single episode of uh, Endless Vigilance. That's amazing. Now, uh, episode one came out, I think, uh, early February. Uh, when can we expect episode two? So we are uh, uh, first, for, for, very, very feverishly uh, working on, on episode two right now, uh, and um, as I said, um, we it, it's only taken us about about eight weeks in order to uh, get to the exact same stage we were that took us six months to to get to in uh, in episode one. Um, so we uh, will be working uh, tomorrow and throughout the rest of the week to be able to fix all of the levels that are uh, in uh, in the various scenes, uh, but all of our scenes for episode two, with the exception of the end credits, which I have to record tomorrow, uh, are, uh, are done um, and are really ready for the final stitch. So we are hoping that within the next, uh, the next week or two, we will have episode two uh, up online um, for people to listen to, uh, and then we will begin uh, very feverishly working on episode three. Yes, I have to get my lines into you for that. Uh, now, um, have you heard any reaction to the show? Have you gotten feedback from episode one? Have you heard from people who've heard it? Yes, actually, we have. And um, one of the one of the, the very uh, good pieces of information that we that we have is, you know, as as Vince and I are are, are storytellers, and we use written word in order to in order to tell stories. One of the things that that um, uh, very good pieces of information that had always been given that that had been given to us. Um, after people had listened to episode one was less exposition, more doing. Mm. So with, with episode one, we had noticed um, that we had a lot of people talking about certain things that were occurring, but less of the doing of the certain things that were occurring. So we're hoping that in episode two and moving forward, we can have more of the, more, more of the, more of the doing and less of, less of the characters tell. Right. That makes sense. But there was a lot to set up in episode one. There was. I mean, we had we had an entire, you know, we had all of Cure Station to set up. We had all of the the political situation to sort of set up. Mm-hmm. That unfortunately, your character is going to have to deal with almost single handedly, right? Yeah. So yeah. Eh, no. <laughs> a lot of politics. A lot of a lot of names. A lot of alien names. It's fine. Yes. Absolutely. How are you setting about promoting the show? What have you? How have you gotten the word out? So um, one of the one of the, 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 the major things that we we've, we've been doing is uh, and have to and every single time I come back to uh, this particular method I always think man this is such a fantastic method even though I often scoff at it the very first one is word of mouth yeah I've been just talking about it all the time and, and telling people and different friends. Um, uh, social media has been our friend. I have a number of we have a number of social media accounts with regard to uh, uh, Two Sober Doors Productions as well as uh, Endless Vigilance um, that I'm constantly putting. Uh, I'm constantly uh, updating with just my my own face because mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm I'm if I can if we can get people to see us then hopefully us will lead to the show. Right, people will enjoy it that way. That's awesome. So speaking of social media, where can people go if they are looking for more information on the show? 
Yes. So, uh, anybody looking for information on Endless Vigilance, a Star Trek fan production, or just uh, uh, Vince and I in general, can go to www.twosoberdwarvesproductions.com, uh, as well as you can go to us on uh, Twitter, at Two Sober, and at Vigilance Trek. You can also find us at www.facebook.com slash Two Sober Dwarves Productions. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for uh, chatting with me again tonight, Rob, and uh, for uh, re-recording this. And uh, uh, I hope uh, all of our listeners check us out because I think we've got a pretty amazing product here. I, I am very excited. Um, I'm very excited to, to have everybody listen to Season 1, and I am so, so excited once we get you all to Season 2 because Season 2 is going to be so much more adventurous That's and exciting. exciting than Season 1 is. So. Very exciting. Well, thanks again for your time tonight, Rob, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Absolutely, Kevin. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Have a great night. You too. You've been listening to the True North Nerds, recorded at the Utility Cupcake Research Kitchen. Reach the nerds on Twitter at True North Nerds, on Facebook under, surprise, True North Nerds, and you can reach them by email at truenorthnerds at gmail.com. If you like the opening theme song, it's called Set Your Phasers to Sexy by Kirby Crackle from the album Sounds Like You. Please go to kirbycracklemusic.com or look them up on iTunes and buy everything that they have made. You won't regret it. So set your phasers to sexy. It's the way you read your books that are